listening to the Soil Talk podcast. I am your host, Tim Mundorf, Nutrient Management Lead with Central Valley Ag. In Soil Talk, we will dive into managing soil fertility and applied nutrients while pursuing top yield. So, Mick, last time we talked about, you know, the innovation events and things that we're doing with soil fertility and fertilizer products. We talked a little bit about that background fertility of those innovation events. I always always think you got to know what's in the soil before you start to make a plan. But besides the the more traditional fertilizer products, your you know your P and your K and your micronutrients and things that we're playing around with there, we've got some sulfur uh, products in those fertility trials. But we also took another tact and we went and worked with some biological products, so things that really don't bring nutrients to the table in the product that we apply. But our hope is that these products will either make nutrients that are in the soil more available, or they're going to help the plant access nutrients uh, through some other way. And I'll be honest with you, you know, from being an ag for a long time, there's two words that go with all those things. It's kind snake of snake and oil. Exactly. <laughs> Where do they get all the snakes to squeeze all the oil out for all these jugs of stuff? But it's not just snake oil. So let's let's talk about the products that you're working with in our innovation plots and, and what our thoughts are on those products. So I use I use the term snake oil quite often, Tim. I'm not gonna lie. And when somebody new comes to me and talks to me about a product and they show me data and and things like this, I'm like, oh that's all good and well, but till I see it where I have full control of it. I and get consistency out of it. I'm gonna hold it at arm's length, and you know we're not only playing with biologicals in our infertile trials at these events. We have PGRs, so plant growth regulators. We have a hormone that is is designed and specific to help us with nitrogen assimilation and utilization. Uh, with, we'll deal with fungi, fungi or fungi, or and I've never seen one by itself, so I suppose we should always deal with the plural, right? Exactly. <laughs> so you know, seeing one, but isolated fungi that are going to help us bring nutrients to those plants. We're dealing with the bacterials. Uh, you know, uh, I think about when I talk about bacterials. A handful of soil has how many bacteria in it? I want to say it's more than the population of the world, more than 7 billion. Yeah. So we got billions of bacteria. And if we isolate and put a couple ounces to to a quart of of bacteria in there, and it's maybe 24 isolates uh, is a common 24 to 30. Is it the right 24 to 30 out of the billions? Yeah. And we put that quart not on a handful of soil, but that quart's going on. 2 million pounds of soil, just just the top six inches, 2 million pounds of soil in an acre. Exactly. So uh, do some of these products, can they can they help us? And so we want to look at those. And, uh, you know, one of the products that, we at, that we're really confident in as a foliar that we're playing with in furrow is actually a seaweed extract. And, uh, you know, that 
right there is going to throw out the term snake oil immediately because that was my first reaction to that product. I was so happy to see these seaweed extracts come to market because I thought to myself, you know, we're in serious danger of running some of these snake species into being endangered species. And now that we're dealing with kelp, we can take some of the pressure off the snakes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, but honestly, that the the seaweed extract product is is Toggle. Uh, and I've met with their scientists and so have you, and, and they're not out there saying it can do everything, it's a cure-all. They're only pointing it at specific problems that you have in your field. So in some of the stresses, handling the stress of a cold, wet environment and, and or a hot, dry environment, and it's a specific, sea, a specific seaweed that they're isolating to do this with. And, uh, you know, the consistency in some of those products that and now we're playing with it in furrow because they've got some good data and, and some evidence uh, and some descriptions of what, what it can do in furrow. You know, another product we've got in furrow is a chelating agent. It's helping bring some nutrients, keeping the nutrients that we're applying to the soil from, from tying up in that soil. And also, they say, bringing some nutrients out of the soil. And then, of course, the last one that we have is the fungicide in furrow. And, Certainly a fungicide in furrow this year, it's going to shine because we've got cold, wet soils that we planted into all season long and uh, it should help us out immensely. So when we think about these different products that we're doing as, a, as our in furrows, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, as just a standard, I think on most of your treatments with your in furrows, you're doing a, a foliar, or I'm sorry, a starter fertilizer, correct? We're correct. using our begin. That's kind of our our base. So we're saying, hey, we're going to put some fertility out there. So we're 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 a high management grower. We've got good fertility in a lot of our plots to start with. We're adding to that with a with a starter fertilizer, whether it's corn or soybeans, and it gives us something to put those additives into as well. Otherwise, we'd have to just use water because you can't put a pint of something through our systems and have it work. Uh, you've got to at least have a few gallons. Our base rate is a five gallon, eight, five gallons per acre of begin. And then we add the infro additives or, or the biologicals to that five gallons. When we talk about that toggle, so again, back to the seaweed extract, and like you said, we've used that both foliar and we use, we've used it in furrow, and it seems to be a, a stress reliever for the plant, or it gets the plant uh, maybe a little bit more resistant to different stresses. And, and we talk about that when we're in our high-yield environments, right? We, everybody says, well, you know, that bag of corn, and, and we may have to change our number, that, that bag of seed corn, you know, has got the capability or the potential to produce six bushel of corn. Now, as we get closer to knocking on 600, we may have to change that number to 700 or 800. But the stresses that that plant goes through through the growing season, a lot of them are things that we can't avoid. I mean, right now, as we're recording this, we've got 100 degree heat and the feels like temperatures are 120 out there, which corn sometimes likes the high feels lights with all that uh, humidity. But with those kind of temperatures, you've got some stress. And we had the stress early with the cool, the wet, We've always got stress, and that's one of the things that Toggle is trying to help that corn or soybean or whatever. It works on, on multiple different uh, plants. Uh, help that plant deal with stress. Definitely. And, you know, you think about stresses we've had this year. And, and our Norfolk location was underwater in March. Uh, 
another round of water in, in late May, early June uh, that sat on it and saturated. So, uh, and then we got the pulp plot. It's had a five inch rainfall event on Memorial Day. And then you look at Cuba, Kansas, uh, that location. Uh, last year was hot and dry all through June. This this year they're getting record breaking rainfall amounts through the growing season. So, And if our listeners want to look at that product at all, that is uh, Acadian is the company that makes that toggle product. Let's uh, move to Invigorate. So Invigorate is coming to us from uh, from Agrinos. And that is a, a bacterial product. So that it's a is a cultured bac- bacteria. A cultured bacteria. And then uh, they use shrimp byproducts from the shrimping industry as a food for that bacteria to survive in, in the container. And then we add that in. Uh, certainly a, a wonderful product, but it's, it doesn't smell very good. <laughs> <laughs> so when we talk about those bacteria, and I, I agree with you, Mick, that handful of soil that already has more uh, microbes in it than, than the world's population. Um, but we're learning new things. And I am not a scientist that specializes in, in the root biosphere, or the root uh, rhizosphere, but we learn more and more all the time about the interaction of the plant root, the soil microbes, and the soil solution and structure, I'll say, and nutrients in that, in that soil medium. And we learn that the plant really doesn't get its nutrients uh, or the, even the water that it needs solely on its own. It needs help from other things that live in that rhizosphere, that biosphere. And, and I probably know just about enough about science to be dangerous, but to maybe help our growers a little bit, you know, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I always like to relate it back to the humans uh, because we understand ourselves better than than we did 50 years ago. Mick, I've known you for a while now and I don't understand you at all. So. <laughs> Well, nobody understands you, Tim, so <laughs> it's fair fair game. But uh, we understand the, the biological systems in the, in the human gut or the animal guts, uh, if you want to talk about beef cattle or, or horses and so forth. But we're just on the learning, on the, on the start of learning about the microbes in the soil. And there's people that are way smarter than you and I that are out there studying these bacteria, and that's how they decide what bacteria to isolate. And they know better than, than you or I can explain which ones are triggering different things in that plant or helping get nutrients into that root zone or water or anything. So that's what they're doing is they're trying to find that combination that can, can get it, help that plant out the most. And this this relationship isn't anything new. I mean, we've known this for a lot of years as we, you know, we talk about soybeans and did your soybeans nodulate? And we know that 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 soybean root system and that soybean plant have to sense that there's not an overabundance of nitrogen, sends out some sort of a chemical that that then uh, indicates to these uh, uh, rhizobacteria or or my, yeah, or bacteria that are going to cop colonize that soybean root, that that root is open to them colonizing it. It basically provides a cyst material for that bacteria and they start pulling nitrogen out of the soil air and uh, trading that nitrogen with the plant for uh, carbohydrates. I mean, we've known that for a lot of years, 
but what we're doing is we're starting to work with new things that maybe aren't naturally um, working with that soybean plant right now or corn plant, whichever, and bringing those in and seeing if we can create some of those same relationships. Exactly. And, you know, uh, you got to be smarter than the two of us combined to, to do that. And, and that's why they have specialists working on it where, you know, you don't go to the MD anymore when right. you have joint pain. You go see the orthopedic doctor, uh, you know, 50, 100 years ago. They just went to one doctor all, for everything. And it's getting to that point. We're just on the beginning stages of that in the, in the soil industry. That makes sense. And, you know, when you say smarter than you and I combined, it actually makes it fairly easy for these companies to find those technicians because that's just really a low bar to clear, Mac. <laughs> okay, so as we think again about what you've got out there in your plots, Levisol, that was a new one to me this year. I, I was not really familiar with it. What does Levisol do? So Levisol, in, in the most simplistic terms, is a chelating agent. So it actually binds with with nutrients such as zinc, the micronutrients, and keeps it from interacting with the soils and getting tied up into the soil system. Yeah, and so, you know, we talk about those chelating agents, and we talk about that a lot as, as we start to try to formulate something as, a, as an in-furrow or a starter fertilizer. You know, we talk about those micronutrients. We say, well, you're, you're low on zinc, but you're in a high pH environment. We know that zinc's gonna wanna tie up, or you're low in iron. You know, iron deficiency chlorosis is not because the soil doesn't have enough iron in it. It's because generally that iron's tied up and the plant can't get to it. So we say, okay, let's use these chelating agents or these chelates to chelate, basically cover that nutrient with an organic substance to keep it from tying up with things like calcium or magnesium or other things in the soil and give it time for the plant to find it. And here, I, I think we're basically doing the same thing, but instead of working with applied nutrients, we're working with soil nutrients. And we know these nutrients are cycling all the time, coming out of an organic form, moving into a mineral form. Maybe before that nutrient can tie up with some other mineral, we're actually going to try to chelate it and keep it available for the plants. Exactly. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the things they talk about is, is the Levisol freeing up some of those nutrients. And some of that is based off of the pH of, of the product itself, just helps that soil release it. But then once it releases it, it, it grabs it and protects it. So Endoprime was another product that we've got there is again as an infrared treatment that we're adding to our begin starter fertilizer and we've got that in both corn and soybeans is that right? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, so the Endoprime what it's doing is is it's a mycorrhizal fun, fungi and what it's doing is they've isolated several fungi species that they feel are the most important. Once again, they're specialists that really know a lot more about fun, fungi and the mycorrhizal fungi than than I do, but they studied it and they figured out that these particular species are helping bring those nutrients to the root zone. Yep. And again, I kind of neglected to, to talk about it, but as we talk about um, these products, if people want to go look them up, that uh, Endoprime is a valent product and valent is someone that we use all the time in, in the the herbicide side of our business, but it's kind of new on the, the mycorrhizal side. Correct. Right? Yeah. So for, uh, for our growers, I think we maybe should take a little break there. We'll come back to some of these biologicals. I mean, as much as I like talking about dirt and poop and bugs, 
let's take a little bit of a break for a funny farm story. So you did the last one, Mick, so I've got this one. I know you're a hay guy, so for some reason you've forgotten that you're nearly 50 and probably shouldn't continue to throw hay, but you still throw hay quite a bit, don't you, I love idiot cubes. (laughs) Well, when I was younger, I was as stupid as Mick is, and I used to throw quite a bit of hay as well. So one day, and and the the alfalfa we had, we had some on our home place, but we, my grandfather had a long history of growing alfalfa and we, we always had alfalfa at my grandfather's place and he uh, made full use of his grandsons to go throw alfalfa. But one day uh, it was myself, my little brother and a neighbor kid were going to go throw bales. My dad was headed over there to do the baling. The hay was good and dry, so we didn't think we needed to let the bales sit out there very long. We could throw them and start getting them in the barn right away. But you know, dad's got a, a 4020. Uh, I think we had a, a New Holland baler and, and a, a low boy behind behind that all pulling it along. Leaves us to pick up to come later, you know, to get to him, get him let him get a start and we'll go and start uh, start throwing bales. So anyway, we're sitting there talking and talking and talking. Pretty soon we remember that we're actually supposed to meet my dad, you know, at the other farm. It's about 13 miles away. Gosh, we better get going. So we all hop in the pickup and I'm I don't know, 16, 17 years old. I'm the guy driving. And like any stupid young man, I, I drive much faster than I should. You, anyway. always, you always, you still do. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, this might have to go past safety too. So no, I do not. I always obey all posted speed limits. Anyway, at that time, I didn't as much, and I'm cruising along in this pickup, and I don't know what we're doing. You know, we'll just leave the numbers out of there. But I pop over a hill, and here's a low boy, a baler, and a tractor (laughs) right over that hill. (laughs) So I quick whip the pickup over the left to go around him. It's my dad. Uh, You know those early 70s Chevy pickups when you whip the wheel real quick to go around him? It's not an exact science. And I've gone a little bit too far. So it's a two-lane highway, doesn't have any shoulders. And when you go a little bit too far, you're going in the ditch. (laughs) So we're cruising down. And this is a deep, not too steep, but deep and long ditch bank. Because we're we're basically going over a creek. There's a culvert in there somewhere. I'm not sure where. We're going down this thing. We're still doing well above the speed limit. And I announced to the two guys next to me, who definitely are turning a different color, definitely white as a sheet, that we're going in the ditch. <laughs> we're already in the ditch at high speed. <laughs> Somehow I was smart enough not to try to steer out of it. And I actually drove to the bottom, pulled her into four-wheel drive, and drove right back out of there. But as I'm going by the tractor in the ditch, I look over and I can vividly see my dad and read what's on his lips. And it's not good. <laughs> I don't think that's safe for the podcast. We will not put that on the podcast i pull back out by this time the tractor's gone back by again i pass him one more time this time at a sane speed and much safer i get to the field i wait for dad and i'm like oh my god he's gonna kick my butt he doesn't he actually is just thankful that i didn't try to yank the steering wheel to back on the on onto the highway because so many people roll a vehicle that way it was happy that i that i managed to get it into the ditch and back out did mention to me my rate of speed and my stupidity in trying to make a pass like that without <laughs> slowing down first but that was a story but i one of my a good friend of mine was, was our neighbor kid and was stupid enough to volunteer to help us throw hay Anyway, I, uh, he's in Northern California. I was in Northern California last year for work, and I, I called him up, and he still talks about that. We're going in the ditch story. 
of course, none of us are wearing seatbelts. Those two are kind of reaching for something they can hang on to because for sure we're either going to roll or crash, and we lucked out and didn't. But that's the story. Nobody we'll, grabbed the gun rack. Nobody. We did not. My dad would not trust us with guns, so there was not a gun rack in that truck. <laughs> All right. So back to our biologicals. You know, it's probably enough uh, BS there for one day. We should go back to the science. So we talked about endoprime. Um, takeoff. What does takeoff do? I see that's going to be in our plots this year. So the way I understand it, takeoff is it works much like a hormone. It's it's very hormone-like product, and it actually triggers that plant in tricks it. I'll, I'll use the word tricks, but... It may not be technically the right term, but it helps it assimilate its nitrogen more efficiently. Uh, so whether it's in a corn plant or a soybean plant, we still have to utilize nitrogen. It needs to assimilate the nitrogen, and then it needs to utilize it in the process of making, making proteins. So it's just helping it be more efficient with the nitrogen that it has. And now we're talking about a Verdesian product, and I don't know if they officially call it a plant growth regulator. You know, we've dealt with plant growth regulators for a while. Ascend, uh, you know, Winfield obviously is a great partner for us, so we've used Ascend for quite a few years. You know, trying to to put a, an enzyme or a chemical that's natural, it's something the plant produces anyway, into a plant in a little different timing or maybe a little different amounts than the, the plant would make normally, this isn't anything new either. No, it, it, we've done this for years in, in agriculture, in animals, in humans. So it's nothing new, It's but it's getting down and, and finding specifically what we can do with those and how we can improve them. Right. Improve and the yields. As we go, we learn and we learn what works and what doesn't. And, and again, this is back to why we do these trials. So we've got it in multiple environments. We're doing these things over multiple years and, and, and it's all replicated. So it's not just a, hey, it worked in this little 10 foot area. It's got to work across replicated plots. It's got to, well, and it doesn't always, right? We, we see that in some environments it works better than others. Sometimes we can explain it. Sometimes we can't. Some years it works better than others. Sometimes we can explain it. Sometimes we can't. But that's why we do this. It's just it's the way farming is, right? The, the beauty of having it in multiple environments, uh, you know, in, in my job, I get to see multiple environments. And I can start learning what, okay, this product will work in this environment. But once we get to this other environment, it doesn't work. So I can help people understand on their farm which product that would help them the most. Right. So our uh, our last um, product that we, we've got here uh, that we're doing on our innovation plots is Rhizolyzer. Now, what does Rhizolyzer do? So Rhizolyzer is another bacterial product. It's it's probably got some of the same isolates that, that our other bacterial products have. I'm not 100% sure without checking labels, but what they're doing is they've isolated a different set of bacteria. Some are, are probably going to cross over and trying to help that plant uh, produce photosynthesize better and more efficiently and also uh, produce more yield in the, in, in the long run. In this case, it's Locus Agricultural Solutions is the company that's uh, who has the product. And just like we were talking about before, this this is a new frontier really for agriculture. This whole uh, rhizosphere, that the area around the root where the root interacts with other 
uh, microbes and with the soil solution and with the soil mineral structure as well, and how it's able to pull up water and nutrients and exchange um, the carbon that it brings in. I heard a, a statistic here not too long ago that some plants will exchange as much as 40% of the carbon that they produce through photosynthesis, they actually put out through their roots, and that's part of their payment for these uh, microbials uh, in, in uh, exchanging with them the nutrients that they need. And we talk about carbon sequestration, it's the same thing, right? There's a lot of, in those root exudates as far as carbon, sugars go, that allow that plant to interact with the microbes around it and, and have this symbiotic relationship. Right. So it's kind of a new frontier and it, it's interesting. And, and frankly, we probably know more what we don't know than what we do know. And there's probably even more that we don't even know what we don't know. Exactly. It's just, it's just a complete new frontier for us. And it's things that we're trying to learn. And our whole point of having a soil talk broadcast about it is number one, to talk to growers about it, that this is something they can come see in our innovation plots. Keep in touch with us later when we put out our data from our innovation plots, they can see it in, in and we're not, we have no skin in the game here. To be honest with you, most of these products, we're, we're selling uh, none or very little of them right now. So whether they work or not is our, the first thing we're looking at. It's not like we're really trying to sell you something here. We're trying to show you some new science, some new products that are out there. You come take a look at it. You make your own judgments. The, the big thing is, is, is we're testing these and we're replicating these at e each innovation site. And... We want to isolate so that we can help you help the grower make a better decision. And when we have these events, we want to show them what what can this do in your field. So that's why our innovation sites are actually right in the middle of a field or right at the edge of a field. And and we show that off. And about half that value of those innovation sites is what we show to our growers. The other half is we use this for our own internal training. I mean, if a grower wants to come to this, he's getting the same kind of training that we're giving to our own field sales agronomists because like you and I, they don't understand all this new technology that we're using in, in that biosphere or rhizosphere around the root. And they need to learn as well so they can give our growers good recommendations on whether or not these products work and what environments they work and what they're supposed to do. Absolutely, Tim. And there's a lot more information available on the CVA web, website. Right. And for the guys that are working with us, they can ask their field sales agronomist. If it's someone who's new to CVA, you know, ask your field sales agronomist, even if you're outside of our sales story, because I know this, this soil talk broadcast, you know, reaches into areas where we don't have locations. We put that information on our website later. We don't hide our trial information. That that information will be available later. It's actually the, the information from the 2018 trials is on our website now. So you just go on our website and look that up. So, uh, Again, for, for our listeners on Soil Talk, th this broadcast is a little different because we've got our innovation events coming up. We wanted to do something kind of uh, specific to those innovation events. But, uh, but as we go forward, we'll, we'll kind of move back to uh, basic soil fertility. But these things that we're talking about on the biologicals and some of the fertility things that we're doing in our innovation plots, it all ties in. It's all a system. You know, to me, Tim, some of these inferno additives, they're definitely increasing the value of the fertility and yeah. can help can help you get from high fertility up another step and increase your yields. Absolutely. And as we talk about fertility and the plant's ability to bring in nutrients, 
what we apply any given year is a very small piece of that puzzle. We figure that maybe, maybe the plant brings in about 40% of the nitrogen that we apply that growing season. Uh, the other nitrogen that it gets has to come from mother nature. On the other side of it, like phosphorus, heck, that number's a lot different. We're lucky if we can get 15, 20% of the phosphorus that we apply into the plant on any given year. Now, again, we're building a pool and the plant's working off that pool, but we got to work with the bugs in the soil to make it happen. Certainly one of the things that I'd like to do, Tim, in, in my lifetime is, is improve nutrient use efficiency across the farm. And not only nitrogen, but phosphorus, potassium, and sulfur also. You're right. And as we come up to some of our environmental restrictions that we know, you know, right now we've, we've got a Republican administration, right? And I'm not here to get into politics, but if your president makes the head of EPA a guy from the oil industry, well, things are probably going to go a little easier for you as industry goes. But when we change administrations and we get, you know, someone else in the EPA who's going to maybe be a little harder on us, we're going to have to be ready for that. And these biological biologicals are one way we can maximize both the nutrients that are in the soil and the nutrients we apply to minimize environmental negative effects. Definitely, Tim. And with Soil Talk, Tim Undorf and Mick Godekin. Thank you for joining us today on Soil Talk. If you'd like to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at ACS by CVA. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Central Valley Ag. If you'd like more information, visit cvacoop.com, and you can see our precision-focused blog videos every Thursday. With Soil Talk, this is Tim Mundorf.